Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper Premier League recap from across the pond episode 2. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube, at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and then of course to follow me on all social media platforms at Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I just posted a new TikTok this week. It was a clip from my episode Dime Dropper Time Machine. If you guys have not checked that out, please go check it out. I worked really hard on it. It only has like, it doesn't even have 300 views le- uh, yet, guys. So get that video up to at least 500. Like, come on. These are the videos that my channel needs to be predicated on actually educating people about the history of the game, not a fucking Eric Bledsoe trade. You know what I'm saying? That means nothing. Um, but anyway, let's get down to business. Premier League week two. I'm telling you guys right now, I'm so excited for each and every game this season. The fans are back, and it's just reinvigorated me uh, and my love for the game. Even though it, it never really died, but when I was in college, I just couldn't catch every game. And I just there's something I love, just like I am with the Clippers. I just love to be along the ride every single step of the way and know how everybody's doing. So I want to do that for uh, the Prem this season and, of course, document it for the first time on this channel. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to the live chat after. So let's start with... Chelsea and Arsenal. So that was the big game of the weekend, the London Derby. And, you know, I expected three points because of the Arsenal game against Brentford and, of course, the way we've been playing and how good we are. And, of course, it was big Rome's Chelsea return. And I have been waiting for this moment for four years. It's a literal dream come true to see big Rome wearing the nine. I've supported him from the beginning. I've supported him even when he's gone to other clubs including the disgusting red shirt of Man United that I had to endure him wear for two years, endure watching him wear for two years, and now he's back home where he belongs, and boy, was he back. I mean, the first 10 minutes, Arsenal were actually going at us. I was thinking to myself, wow, it sounds loud in the Emirates. You know, they're coming at us. Uh, They're going to really, you know, they're pissed off about that Brentford result. This is a London derby. They don't need any motivation and kick up the ass, and the fans were giving it. The fans were giving him a lot of motivation, and they looked like they were about to be honest. I remember Nicola Pepe had a great run where he blew by three of our players. But just when Arsenal were putting that pressure on, we scored a goal. And the whole dynamic of the game changed. And the way we were able to get that goal, you know, a couple of changes from the lineup from uh, Super Tommy Tuchel. He took Chalaba out, which I thought was a little controversial because I thought Chalaba's been amazing. And he was great in the first game, great in the Super Cup. And we went with uh, putting Dave as Pelequeta back in the back three and Reese James at right wing back. And as as always with Super Tommy Tuchel since he's taken over, um, you got to trust him because he knows what he's doing. And knowing Golo Kante again, he was on the bench. But I'll tell you what. When I saw, I think it was either Mason or Mateo Kovacic that played the ball out. Actually, no, I think it was Lukaku who, and this is the thing about Lukaku. He has improved so much over the years. You know, there used to be a huge criticism of him. Oh, he's, you know, his first touch is bad. He's a little, you know, he plays, he doesn't have the best control. You know, he needs to improve with his back to goal. You know, for a big guy like that, he's great in one-on-one situations and he's great at dribbling the ball and great with his feet. 
but he always, I mean, he's been decent at hold-up play, but people always lack, uh, you know, took a, took took the piss out of him for his poor first touch, and there was so many memes for so many years. And, man, he is really, I think going to Italy has really helped. He really improved his game with his back-to-goal. He's such a complete striker. He'll come to midfield to get the, or I wouldn't say midfield, but he'll come 30 yards to get the ball. He'll come right top of the box to get the ball. He'll make runs. He'll be available for crosses. He's everything you want in a center forward and he's in the prime of his career and we just got him back for this prime and that makes me the happiest fan in the world um i thought that pablo mari was getting posted up like it was Shaq in his prime by lukaku i mean he was dragging him wherever he wanted to go on that pitch you know he wanted to come get the ball 30 30 yards out he came and got it and he had mari just shielded behind him he couldn't get anywhere around him and you know and it's so important because Lukaku gets the ball, he controls it, and then players start running behind him, you know, making runs in behind, running down the channels, and getting into the box, and Lukaku just, Rom does a great job of turning, he has the ability to turn, he has the ability to pass back if he needs to, and then go, and it's just having that proper number nine that you can hold the ball up to, and everybody runs behind, and he takes up so much attention in the middle of the field, is just... In, it's just it's a, a it's a luxury that we didn't have last season. And that was what we were missing, and now we have it. And when he got the ball to feet, played it out back, and then all of a sudden started going. We got that whole right side of the pitch was wide open for us, and that comes down to the fact that Arsenal were playing a back four, and we were playing our back five. And the way our team is set up, it really reminds me of that 2017 season with Antonio Conte, where. We had a proper number nine in Diego Costa. Now we have Romelu Lukaku. And we have five, uh, you know, five at the back. So we have wing backs, and that stretches the teams out. And when we have a Lukaku or a Diego Costa target man in the middle like that, you know, it takes so much attention, uh, takes the defense's attention, and then the wide areas start opening up. And that's exactly what happened. Kieran Tierney, the left back for Arsenal, was getting sucked back in to the middle to worry about Lukaku. And Reese J and Saka wasn't tracking back, and that was a lack of communication from Arsenal, a lack of organization of Saka and Tierney not communicating. And granted, Saka, I don't know why in tarnation Arsenal thought it was a good idea to give him a new contract because he's been anything but quality since he showed up at Arsenal. He has been, he's not Arsenal quality. Let's put it that way. And the fact that they signed him to a new contract, oh my God, terrible timing. The fact that they signed him to a new contract. Um, was a terrible decision in my opinion because it's not, it's not, um, he's not the quality to play for Arsenal, right? And he was getting sucked onto the left-hand side and he was just all over the place. He was just getting cardio in. You know, Granit Xhaka just be running around out there on some Patrick Beverly, on some Russell Westbrook imitating Patrick Beverly. He'd just be running around. And Reese James played a great ball. Lukaku, like, once he made the, the pass, the hold-up play, passed it back and then made the run, I don't know what Pablo Mari was doing. I don't know if he was trying to draw a foul or something, but he just flopped to the ground, and Lukaku was in on goal and had the clear tap in, and Reese James played a great ball in. And 1-0, and after that, we just totally controlled the game. It was so easy for us. I mean, it's like we would make one one or two passes, and we'd pass by five or six Arsenal players, like just off one or two passes right down the middle. Like there was no organization. It was just it just seemed too easy. And I thought Mateo Kovacic had another really good game. I thought I think that his his passing has been pretty sharp to start the season. Um, he made some good forward passes, including the hockey assist for the first goal. And I just think that he's been strong and he's very mobile. I thought Jorginho was a little quieter um, in the second half. He had some nice takeaways and tackles, but I thought that in the first half he was okay. 
But I thought that we just, we bossed the game. And once we got that second goal, which was exactly almost the same exact thing, where, again, Lukaku, brilliant dummy, let it run. And he just had them on a leash the whole game. And Rob Holding, I mean, on, on that first goal, he made a mistake. I don't know why he was so enamored with Kai Havertz, even though Kai wasn't even making a run or doing anything. And, you know, he needs to be help helping Mari with Lukaku because one-on-one, Lukaku's unstoppable now. Like, you cannot stop him unless you got a world-class center back that is going to be able to take him and mark him because Pablo Mari ain't that guy. And that whole right side for us and their left side of defense was wide open. And again, Reese James, yards of space. Kieran Tierney getting sucked in. For this, the second goal, I don't think he even needed to be sucked in. And freaking uh, Saka, he wasn't getting back. And Reese James, great finish. He was fantastic. And just all game, both sides of the ball. And after that 2-0, I thought the second half we controlled the game. I thought Arsenal made a, a decent 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of that second half. But Aubameyang came in. And, you know, he had, he's been, uh, he had COVID, so to get him back was big. But Arsenal were still missing a lot of quality players, like Gabriel, who they really need back in the center of defense. I'm still not sold on Ben White. I thought he was poor last week. He was diagnosed with COVID, I believe, tested positive. I, I don't think, I, I don't really think that he's the quality, um, you know, Arsenal spent the most money of any team in the transfer window, and I just don't think that they spent it with quality players. They got a lot of young players. I think the only one that really has shown me something of, of worth is Sambi Lakonga. I thought he was one of the only players uh, in the game that for Arsenal that actually played pretty well. He showed me his nice range of passing and the potential that he has. And I think that he could be a bright spot for Arsenal. But other than that, they had nothing for us. Nothing. No scary moments. The closest chance they had was a Rob Holding header in the second half on a corner. And I just think that we were very comfortable. It should have been 3-0. Burnt Leno made an amazing save on Rome. And what I love about Rome was he was so determined to get another goal. Like, he wanted more. And that's the true number nine that's hungry and ready to get a win. Or, I'm sorry, to score goals and to win the league. And he hasn't done that in England. He hasn't won the league. So I think it's going to be, it's just, I'm just so happy to have him back. And I thought we bossed the game and it was so easy for us. And it's just, we're clockwork. Like Tommy Tuchel has come in. We all know where we need to be, all our players. They're all connected with one another. Uh, Aspilicueta, I mean, I thought he was at the end of his rope. Tommy Tuchel comes in, reinvigorates the guy, like revitalizes his game. And I think it's because Dave is so good in the, as a center back in the back three He's not a traditional center back in a back four. And I don't think he's a good right back in a back four because he's not a good crosser of the ball. And he's not very good going forward. He's better in defense. He's better communicating. And with that back five, it's like when we had Antonio. It unleashes Espelicueta as the right-sided center back of that back five. And he just played great again. He was taking care of everything. And a special shout-out to Rudiger and Christensen who held it down again for the second straight game. 180 minutes gone. And zero goals conceded. And that is what we want to see over here. And Edward Men- Edward Mendy, he got in- called into action one time. And I think after this chance, uh, it was when Le- Aubameyang came in. He made a run. Lakonga made a through ball. And Mendy beautifully came off his line. And that was... the After that, Arsenal didn't really have any other chances after that. I think we were... It was very easy. And honestly, we could have had three if, if Hakim Ziyech hadn't been a little greedy on a little breakaway towards the end of the game. But 2-0, uh, very comfortable. Six points out of six. We look like we are proper challenging this season for the title. I think we're taking it, guys. I have a feeling that this is the one. Where it's coming back. First time since 2017. 
and I'm ready. And I think we're going to compete for everything this season. Like, legit. I thought Alonzo was great again. I thought Reese James was my man of the match. I thought he was so good on both sides of the ball. Um, and I thought Mason was good, too. I think he wasn't, didn't have his best game, but I thought he was still good and lively. And I, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he got the assist on the second goal. And then Kai Havertz, I thought was great, too. He was involved in the second goal as well with some beautiful skill on the sideline with Alonzo. And Kai just looked sharp. And I just... Kai's going to be great this season. I think that after the Euro Cup, as I said last week, and the Champions League winning goal that he had, I think he's going to be great. So 2-0 for Chelsea. Uh, you know, best team in London. Ain't no doubt about that. Although, shout-out to Spurs. Getting another 1-0 win. Huge save by Hugo Lloris. And... Uh, stopping the uh, the potential draw from Adama Traore on the breakaway. And that's just big time. And Spurs, even with the Harry Kane drama going on, whether he's going to stay or go, to come out with six points, also 180 minutes gone by, and zero goals conceded for Spurs. So you got to give them credit as well. Um, but yeah, and as for the Arsenal perspective, you know, a lot of fans have been talking about Arteta in, Arteta out. I think they've given him a year. Uh, he finished eighth last year. And I just think that, that it's time... I mean, look, you gotta, you gotta give him maybe, maybe a couple more weeks. But I just haven't seen any organization, any identity with Arsenal. I think they're all over the place, and I just don't think that you know they keep regressing. And you know, I like Mikel Arteta as a player for Everton, but I just don't know if he's the guy. But as we've been talking about with Arsenal for years, the problem is much bigger than just the manager. They can sack Arteta all they want. That doesn't mean that they're going to finish top four or anything, even if they bring in a, a good manager. Their squad's not good enough for one. Um, I thought that Smith Rowe was pocketed. I, don't, I didn't even notice him in the game. And I thought he was one of their brighter players against Brentford. I didn't think he did anything. Um, I thought that we held Saka and Pepe in check. I thought Martinelli was like did as much as I did in the game, and I didn't even play, obviously. Uh, yeah, I thought Marty was shit. I thought Holding was pretty bad. Tierney's had two bad games in a row. And I thought that Cedric, who I think should actually keep playing, even though I thought he was very average, I, thought that, I think Cedric should keep playing. But... Burnt Leno was and Lakonga were like the only two players who I thought were not bad for Arsenal. I think that they're, it's going to be a long season for them. They got Man City next, which is going to be even tougher potentially. Pro, yeah, it's going to be tougher because it's going to be at the Etihad. Um, it's going to be a tough season for Arsenal for sure. I, I see eighth written all over it again. Um, maybe they can have a miracle change with the manager switch, but I don't think so. The squad's not good enough. The ownership does not give a shit. And it's Moneybag Stan, who has too much involvement in wanting to make the Rams a Super Bowl contender and not enough attention on the club that support that gives him the most money and the club that has the most fans, and that's Arsenal. So we'll take the win. Arsenal, zero points out of the first two games to start the season. Very problematic. Um, let's go to Liverpool, though. Liverpool played against Burnley, and I, it was their first game uh, back at Anfield, and the, you know, you'll, you'll never walk alone. The fans, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful scene. Uh, they were back and loud, and I thought that Liverpool, uh, in the first half, I thought Burnley actually looked pretty decent in the first, like, very similarly to the uh, Chelsea game. I thought they looked pretty good in those first 10 minutes. I thought um, Dwight McNeil, it really impressed me. Long strides, you know, beating players and looking dangerous, getting some shots in. Allison dealt with everything very well, though, and then I think that Liverpool slowly started getting into their game. Um, it was a great first goal. Simikas, who's come in for Andy Robertson on the left-back position. I thought he's had some really lively, uh, very impressive first two games. Great cross into the box. And Diogo Jota, awesome start to the season for him. Two goals in two matches. Great header across the goal like that. Split half a chance, and he took it. And it was 1-0. And after that, Liverpool really controlled the game. And in the second half, I thought they were extremely dominant. And 
you know, playing with pace. You know, Liverpool is one of those teams, again, I'm going to say it, people are really sleeping on them, in my opinion. I think that you need to consider them just as much of a challenger as us and as Man United. I know they don't have Genie Vinealdum and they've weakened him in midfield, but they still have Jurgen Klopp and they still have a, a group of players that have played with each other for a couple of years now. They have a set system. They are like clockwork, just like we are. They know where each other is and they have the most important part back, and that's Virgil van Dijk, who looked like, again, like he hadn't skipped a beat. He looks so solid, and he gives Trent Alexander-Arnold confidence because Trent was found out last season on that right-hand side as the weak link of that defense. And Trent is has the ability to bomb forward more now, and he looked fantastic. He was my man of the match, personally. Uh, I thought he was really good, uh, looked dangerous going forward, made some great passes, dangerous balls into the box. And I just thought that Liverpool controlled the game. And 2-3-0, and I'm sorry, it was 2-0. They have the exact same goal difference as Chelsea going into the game against us next week. Uh, five goals scored, zero conceded. I thought Matip looked solid again too. I thought Hendo was okay. It was good to have him back in the team uh, if you're a Liverpool fan. But I thought Salah, again, was very good. I know he had a goal disallowed. And I also want to give a shout-out to that Harvey Elliott kid on the right-hand side that started. I'd never seen him play a full game. He's only 18 years old, and he came in and played with confidence like he'd been playing for years. So that guy was bright. He could dribble, he could pass, just looked good technically. And Sadio Mane got the second goal. I think it was Trent Alexander-Arnold that got the assist. Um, It just opened up easily for them. And it was a switch of play by Van Dijk, I believe, that opened it up. And Liverpool, I mean... They're dangerous. I don't think anybody should count them out. Robert, Bobby Firmino came in late, but it's also just going to be interesting to see if Bobby Firmino gets back in that starting 11 because Diogo Jota is, is a better goal scorer than him. And even though Firmino's probably the better overall player, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And right now, Diogo Jota's banging in the goals. And I just thought overall, another good performance for Liverpool. A great start to the season for them if you're, if you're a Reds fan. Um, and yeah, they're back. Uh, let's go to Man City, who played Norwich, and they're bouncing back off that Spurs loss last weekend, and I thought they ended the game in 20 minutes. Uh, they they clearly had a point to prove. They were on their necks from the first minute, all over them. I thought it was interesting to see Gabriel Jesus start on the right-hand side, and he killed it, absolutely killed it. I mean, great cross for the first goal. It was an own goal, I believe. Um, this And then he also had a, a, an assist that was disallowed. You know, Ferran Torres scored. Gabi Jesus picked it up. It was a foul that was called. I think wrongly. I think it should have stood. I think it was a very ticky-tack foul. And after, I mean, uh, then he got an assist to Jack Grealish, who got his first goal for Man City, and I thought he was good again. Everybody for Man City was good in this game because it was just so easy for them. I thought Kyle Walker also, I mean, I think it was the third goal where he, I think it was two goals actually, the first and the third, where he got the hockey assist, the through ball in behind. Gabi Jesus made a great run behind the left back, and then he whipped in the ball and it was met by Raheem Sterling, who came in off the bench to get a goal, and that could be big for his confidence because he didn't play very well last week against Spurs. And to get a goal, even though it was a tap-in, very similar to Lukaku's goal, that's good for his confidence. And I thought that Kyle Walker, I mean, I want to give a shout-out to Kyle Walker because, you know, a lot of times defenders don't get the due that they deserve. Kyle Walker's been at City now for four full This is his fifth full season, but he's been there for four full seasons, and he's won the league three times as a member of City. And that's not a coincidence. He made a huge difference once he arrived. And I like Kyle Walker because even though I don't really root for City like that, I root for England, and he plays well for England in the tournaments. And for years, there's players that just choked on the national stage for the England team. And I thought Kyle Walker, I mean, he's just one of the best out there. And I thought, any other standouts from the City game? I thought Gabby Jesus was easy man of the match. He got two assists. 
5-0 drubbing. Riyad Mahrez even got on the score sheet. And it was just, you knew that was coming from City. I've now watched Norwich play two games. They've had a terrible start to the season in terms of who they've been matched up against. I mean, Liverpool the first match and then City the second is as hard as it gets in this league. Um, are they going down? Right now, it looks like they're going to go down. But also, it's, it's a bad sample size because they've only played against the two best, arguably two best teams in the league. So we'll have to see how they do against the smaller clubs. And then the last one to end it out before we get to the live chat, only four people because, again, right now we don't have a very much of a soccer fan base or football fan base. But I'm still going to just talk about what I fuck with. You know, I'm not going to get here and talk about basketball right now because there's no real news to talk about. So I'm going to do what I want, and that's what I want to do. Um, and we're going to get uh, football fans and soccer fans over time. We're only going to build this program. So let's finish it off with Man United against Southampton. So Man United is a team that I really wanted to pay close attention to this season because I think that they have their best team since they won the league in 2013. I think that this game was the most confusing of all of them because I thought that it was very unclear to me. Like, I don't think that United played very bad. It was a 1-1 draw, but they definitely lacked that same energy and intensity that they had at Old Trafford last weekend. And I think that's partially because of the fans. And, you know, I think that Southampton just played much better than Leeds did. And even from the beginning of the game, you could sense it was a pretty even match. Uh, Man United had possession, but they weren't creating many chances, whereas last weekend, they were creating a lot of chances. And there was a couple switches. Ole Gunnar uh, put Martial up front and moved Mason Greenwood to the right-hand side and took Dan James out, which I thought was a decent switch, even though I was thinking to myself, like, why not leave Greenwood up top because he played so well last weekend and then bring in Sancho to make his debut on the right-hand side? But he didn't do that. He stuck with... um, he, he went with Greenwood on, up, uh, on the right, Martial up the middle. And I just thought that, you know, I mean, it was Southampton that scored first, and it was on a giveaway by Bruno Fernandes in, the, in his own half. And, you know, in this league, no matter who you're playing, you really can't be giving the ball away in your own half. He wanted a foul, and he got a yellow card because of his petulance. But Bruno lost the ball. Maguire got opened up, let the shot get off, and Fred it took a deflection off of Fred and went in. Nothing De Gea could do about it, and Southampton went up 1-0. And I think that, honestly, it wasn't like they didn't deserve it or anything like that. It was a very even game. Nobody had any clear-cut chances. United hit the crossbar on a, on a set piece, but it wasn't a clear-cut chance by any means. Um, I thought Pogba, though, again, was fantastic. And if you're a United fan, this is something we talked about last weekend on my show. Pogba is the key. And Pogba played great again. To see him play two consistent, you know, two matches in a row very well is exactly what you want to see from a United perspective. Can he keep it up, though, now for 10 games? You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was great, though. Looked great every time he touched the ball. Creative, making great forward passes. I thought Bruno wasn't as sharp as last week, but I thought he was good. I thought he still looked sharp. But other than that, though, like Anthony Martial, and I, I actually like Martial. I've always been a fan, but he's really just not taken a break hasn't had really a breakout season since he's joined United. He hasn't really, to me, taken that next step where France is considering him regularly. You know, I mean, he got snubbed from the World Cup team and he got snubbed from the Euro team, and that's not a coincidence. I don't think he's earned it. And he was quiet. He didn't look like he was involved in the game. He didn't look like he wanted to get involved in the game. Like when you look at Lukaku for us, he's coming up trying to get the ball. He's going up 30 yards to get the ball to feet. He's saying, yo, to feet. You see Lukaku, when you watch him play, you see he goes, he wants it up, he points to the sky. He wants it to feet, he says to feet. You can see him communicating with everybody. You know, even Antonio Rudiger was able to make a pass straight to Lukaku. That's also part of Arsenal just being wide open in midfield. But 
it just tells me that's a proper center forward that wants the ball. You know, we always talk about midfielders need to make themselves available. Well, Lukaku wants to make himself available. And Martial was not. Martial, to me, was drifting right, drifting left, not looking confident with the ball. There was even one time where Luke Shaw, who I thought was pretty good, not great, but I thought he was pretty good because he made some decent passes. Luke Shaw passed the ball like... You know, Pogba and Luke Shaw, or I should I mean I should say Pogba, makes a lot of these beautiful balls. Some of my favorite passes in soccer are the through balls that curl around the line of defense, the back four, where a player runs through the middle and gets onto it because it curls around the defender. And Shaw made a brilliant pass like that where he curled it around the right back and Martial got to it and he just kinda got it stuck under his feet. Did like didn't have the confidence to t- take a touch, move it, and you know, get a shot in. And I think that's just somebody who's not in form right now. And I also think that Last weekend, we saw United just with so much energy create so many chances, even playing with two defensive-minded midfielders in midfield with McTominay and Fred. And this weekend, McTominay picked up a little knock, so they put in my one of my personal uh, favorites, a Chelsea legend. Um, I don't know about a legend, but a great Chelsea player for his time, Nemanja Matic, who's passed it, though, I will say. And... It was pedestrian midfield for United. And I think that was mainly the difference. I thought McTominay was really good last weekend. And I thought they missed him this weekend. Even though he only played for like the last 20 minutes. I thought Nemanja Matis just was a little slow. I thought that, you know, he's never had a right foot. But now he's a little bit older, a step slower. Not week in, week out at the top of his game like he was with us. It's just, it was a little slow from United. Just there was no energy, you know, to me. I thought Southampton did a great job of defending and just being dangerous when need be. And I don't think... After Pogba, I mean, the United equalized, and it was a pretty nice goal, and it was Pogba. It was absolute brilliance, like, just at the edge of the box, just, you know, three Southampton shirts around him, and he still got the pass to Bruno, who passed it back to Pogba, and then he took the slightest of touches to get the ball to Greenwood, who took his chance, and it wasn't even a clear-cut chance. He just got the shot on target, and it scored. Good for Mason Greenwood. Two goals in two games to start the season for the youngster. That's big time. And Pogba, five assists in two games to start the season. That's got to be his best start to any Premier League season he's had, and that was brilliance from Pogba. I mean, just pure genius on that goal. But they couldn't create another chance. And it was actually Southampton that came closer to scoring than United when Harry Maguire got caught lacking with the ball. And I thought Maguire didn't have a very good game. I don't think he was horrendous, but I just don't think he had a great game. Uh, because of that potential, he could have cost them the game. They take the ball. It was a one-on-one. And credit to David De Gea. He made a huge save a, you know, to save two points from that game. Um, or save a point, I should say. Because they would have gotten zero points. And... You know, I thought Lindelof and Wan-Bissaka were pretty quiet. I've noticed that United like playing from that left side because with Pogba playing on that left-hand side and then Shaw, who's, you know, in good form, they, they like going on that left side. And I think Pogba's done a great job, but I just think that there was something about their midfield that was a little lacking. I thought Fred gave the ball away a lot. And I thought that Fred, you know, I think my, my, my opinion of Fred, so ever since he's arrived at United, I've been in college. So I wasn't able to really see... Fred, United week in, week out with Fred to really build my judgment of him. Do I think he's Brazilian starting quality? Fuck no. Do I think that he's even Brazilian national team quality? Not sure about it. Do I think he's United quality? Sure. Do I think he's a starter for United quality? Probably not. But I need a little bit more games to make my opinion. And I thought that he just wasn't very good. I thought that he wasn't horrendous, but just wasn't very good. And I thought that United, you know, slim margins, you know, things happen sometimes. You can see the goal, lucky deflection, okay, bad giveaway by Bruno. It happens. You know, you don't get a clean sheet every single weekend. Um, They obviously haven't even had one clean sheet. So maybe you could get a little mad if you're a United supporter at Bruno for losing the ball there or for Maguire for getting opened up. But, you know, 
maybe there's a part of you as a United fan that thinks you need to score more than one goal. And I just thought that it's nothing to panic about, though. A lot of United fans are saying, bring in another defensive midfielder. You know, they don't trust the match. It's going to be Fred, Trio. They want to bring in another guy. But I think that you need to be a little more patient. I think that it's just one game. If it becomes a recurring issue where they're dropping more points in games that they should win because their midfield's poor, then we can talk about it. But there's also the idea of potentially, you know, playing Pogba in his natural center midfield role and then putting in Marcus Rashford when he's fit or even Sancho on the left if he can play there. I'm not sure if he can. Or maybe Anthony Martial on the left or even Mason Greenwood on the left. Um, and then putting Pogba in the center so they can have a little more control in midfield. But, you know, that's the job for Ole Gunnar to do. And I just don't think that the reason why I think that United is not going to win the league is because I think that their squad is great, and I think Chelsea, Liverpool, City, and them have a great squad. But I think that what they're lacking compared to those three teams is they have world-class managers, Klopp, Guardiola, and Tuchel. And I think that, I'm not saying Ole Gunnar is a bad manager, but I think that he was appointed because he's a club legend, not because he was a great manager. And I think that he's still a little blue. When I watch United play, I see a work in progress. I don't see a team that knows where everybody's going to be at all times. Like, they're ready to put this title charge on. I see a team that's a potential title tar- uh, challenger, not like Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. That's my opinion. Some may say Liverpool and United are closer than I say. I still think Liverpool are better. But anyway, points drop for United. You love to see it as a Chelsea fan, City fan, or any other fan. Uh, Liverpool, Spurs. Um, shout out to West Ham, by the way. Six points out of six as well. I haven't watched one of their games yet, so I can't really talk about them. But Man United drop points. Let me know what you think. If you're a United fan, and I know we have some that, that are subscribed to me, drop a comment. What do you think about the way you guys played? What needs to be better? Do you think it was that bad of a result? Is it anything to be worried about? Let me know. But that's it for my Premier League recap from across the pond. I hope a lot of you guys listen to this. If you're a, if you're a soccer fan, if you're not, I'm not going to make you get into the sport. But if you are... See if you listen. See what you think what I'm saying, man. I'm really trying to watch every game just because I want to. And then, of course, why not share it with the people? Um, Now we're going to go to the live chat with the subscribers. Peace out, and let me know what you thought.